0: Welcome to this week's episode of Future of XYZ. I am uh, your host, Lisa Gelnick, and I am so excited uh, to welcome my friend, Samir Balwani, to Future of XYZ. Samir, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Um, always. And our topic today is something, obviously, that you know quite a lot about. I mean, starting in your career in agencies, uh, later your, your role at, uh, roles of plural, at Amex, and now for the last, I don't know, what is it, six years or so- yep. Yeah. Um, As CEO of QRY, um, which is a global marketing agency, really using your own test and learn methodologies to help e-com brands accelerate their growth through paid media.
1: Yep what i know it's what we do well
0: (laughs) um it's really good and and i think the future of paid media as a topic is so interesting obviously as a marketer and brand builder paid media is really the backbone on which brands grow so i want to start with the basic question which is what is paid media
1: yeah, it's actually a really funny and, and a really good question because um, let's try and get people to agree on what is paid media, and that's always the hard part. So uh, I'll start with what are the the key pieces that we define paid media as. So um, most people think of paid media; they think you know Facebook ads, Google ads. That's pretty standard, right? The paid social, paid searches of the world. Um, we also think you know TV ads. That's paid media. Uh, radio, magazines, at of home, while. Older generation, traditional paid media still exists and still is, is, is very important. Um, the areas where it starts to blur is what about influencer sponsorships? Does that count as paid media? Does it not? So you know, for the purposes of our conversation today, let's keep influencer influencer sponsorships to the side. And let's focus in specifically on you know the paid searches, paid social, TV, radio, magazines out of home. That really is um, kind of the bread and butter of uh, paid media.
0: I think it's interesting because what you've just said, I mean, I think oftentimes these days we need to go back to the old framework of paid, earned, owned, yep. right? Like owned is websites and so owned social channels and things like this and earned is PR. And a lot of people put influencer in that bucket, but everything where you're doing a direct exchange of cash for clicks, views, eyeballs, reach, whatever. Um, and we'll talk about KPIs in a bit is really paid media and traditionally as you alluded to you know this has been tv radio magazine out of home i mean that's really yeah. the universe of of media when i came in, into my career and subsequently digital advertising and a lot of the channels that you just named Have taken over. And it feels like for someone like myself, every year or maybe every even quarter, there are new innovations and new ways that we need to reach audiences and track audiences. Can you talk a little bit about kind of the move from traditional to digital to whatever is now coming?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, it started with TV, radio, magazine, out of home. That was our, that was like where you bought, right? Digital media definitely changed things. Google, Facebook, now you're reaching people online in, in really interesting ways. Uh, programmatic display ads, uh, that, that's kind of where we're at today. The biggest Innovations on the media side is retail media that's like taken the world by storm. So those are the Amazon ads, Walmart ads, Target, uh, Best Buy just launched their own retail media. Um, which, this is
0: basically advertising within their e-commerce platform.
1: Yeah, so for an e-com brands, the e-com brands that we work with is a huge opportunity because if you sell on Target uh, and you can then. By advertising on target.com selling, you know, pointing to your products. It's really powerful for building brand awareness. These are all people that are in market to buy your product. It's really great for getting uh, target to take, to see you for emerging brands. It's a huge opportunity. Uh, if you can show that you have a lot of sell through on target, it might make it easier to get into store also. So um, a lot of strategic opportunities around the retail media side, which is really exciting. Um, I think future, uh, so that's kind of innovative where we are now. Future, the things I'm really excited, at, metaverse is going to be super cool. I'm not going to lie. I was just looking at an Oculus trying to figure out, well, do I want it? Do, do I have time to start playing VR games? Do I need to for work? Is this a thing? Um, so that's, I it's think that's definitely that going
0: to be a tax write-off th- I think no so. matter how you slice it, Samir.
1: Yeah, I think my kids are going to be like, dad, you can't play Roblox that much. <laughs> like, you just- But like Gucci did a really awesome integration on Roblox. They sold the digital bag for $4,000 that actually sold in store for $3,400. So now what is, you know, what's value, uh, from that perspective? Well, and And I saw,
0: I actually saw, I think just, um, yesterday, which was while we're recording this, Walmart filed a number of patents for Mm -hmm. selling electronics in the metaverse, Yeah. I mean, the metaverse is uh, how, separate from how I feel about Facebook slash meta and Mark Zuckerberg and which I, you know, I have my own problems from a protecting democracy uh, (laughs) perspective. But from an advertiser's perspective, it's almost impossible not to be on, you know, Instagram and or Facebook at this point. Um, When we start talking about the metaverse and we think about how quickly this is happening, what do you think a timeline for this kind of paid media is?
1: You know what the crazy part about it is, we're already seeing it happen, and especially if you're trying to hit uh, Gen Z, they're there. Uh, it's not a matter of what does the future look like, it's, you know, it's something that we have to start thinking about now, uh, especially with the integration in with NFTs, right? When you can say, I've got the metaverse, and then I've got an NFT that allows me to have uniqueness, meaning that um, you could buy something in the metaverse that is only unique to you because it's tied to an NFT, there is value now to things. So um, the whole war- the whole integration between metaverse and e-com and just brand awareness and brand building, um, I don't think we're that far off from it. I mean, I look at retail media and just how quickly that grew. So I, th- I, I like to think that um, the future of paid media is uh, speeding up faster. Innovations are happening more quickly. Um, it adds to a lot of complexity, which is, Good for us as an agency because we help clients figure that out, and it allows us to keep being innovative. Um, but it also creates a lot of mess and a lot of um, confusion, uh, which we we do need to work through. We need to try things out and just see what happens.
0: It's 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 super fascinating to me. I mean, I say when people you know will ask me to tell my story, you know, yeah. I say I started my career in fashion luxury in an era pre-digital. And I really think about it as traditional brand building. You know, you, especially in fashion, you built this kind of aspirational idea of something. You shot a campaign twice, maybe up to four times a year. And that same image would again get, you know, distributed across these traditional channels globally. All you do is like from Shanghai to New York, you change the address of the store that you were sending someone to. Subsequently, and as you just said, it is accelerating. Every single kind of like season, let's call it, we now have different channels that you need to create unique content for, reach audiences differently. I mean, I think this has led to what we call, you know, or we've heard talked about performance marketing or even growth hacking. Yeah. What is the changing role in your observation of kind of, let's call it like from Don Draper, you know, and the traditional CMO with their agency relationships? To what it is now, and you know, chief chief revenue officer, chief growth officer, like these changing chief growth hacker. I mean, these changing titles.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. The CMO role has evolved aggressively um, from one where it was more akin to a creative director, where you were tasked with coming up with really interesting big brand campaigns, and you know, kind of that that's how you differentiated a brand. That's how you set it out from everyone else. Um, you only had a handful of channels to work with. You're doing magazine, out-of-home TV, radio. That was yep. it. That was like the world. And in-store. And in-store, yes. In-store and, and direct mail, to, yep. to be fair. Yeah, yep. you had direct mail too. So that was like the world of marketing, but the playbook was pretty straightforward. Every brand followed the same playbook. Big splashy idea, where can you put money? Call it a day. Yep. I think yep. now um, CMOs have to play this role where they are resource managers versus creative being the great creative thinker. Um, and now it's more thinking around, okay, where am I putting my dollars where I can continually drive incremental value, both in the short-term because, uh, and this is my issue with performance marketing, which you will hear, very, hear me on my soapboxes, it's very short-term thinking. It's who is my customer, where do they live today? And, and then how do you balance that with long-term thinking, which is brain building, brand awareness? Where am I investing in building my customer for tomorrow? Um, so performance marketing, I think, does a great job at eking out every dollar and making sure that you have maximum revenue. I think it does a poor job at scaling a brand and really accelerating growth. It's the, it's the marriage of those two, that brand awareness and performance marketing, that leads a brand to scale. Um, and so that's what a CMO's new role is, is how do I manage maximum investment in performance dollars so that I can get revenue? but also get my CFO on board on these big brand bets that I need to make, but then also what are the channels that I want to invest there? Um, and and yeah. that, I think that that's a unique opportunity that um, CMOs are really having a hard time uh, transitioning to from this like creative thinker to a very analytical, uh, almost investment manager.
0: Da- data-driven, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's 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 very apt. Um, and my own experience, you know, I I joke that I you know I realized I didn't want that CMO track because I call it coloring by numbers. Marketing right. and advertising has seemed to become so data heavy, and I guess that leads. And and you guys do this extraordinarily well. What you know? What are the KPIs in? Let's just call it paid paid media now what were they and what are they and and how are we going to start tracking because to your point about what the role of the cmo is as kind of a investment slash resource manager i mean kpis are key performance indicators success metrics you know the way that we judge success or not success yeah. really matter in this space and are also constantly evolving can you talk about that a bit samir
1: yeah and i you know one of the things i um, you alluded to, we do data very well. That's what the agency is built on. That's what I love doing. Um, I also recognize that data can be blinding. So you'll hear that we talk about data a lot and uh, we help our clients uh, manage their data, but we also recognize when data only tells a partial story and that there are moments where you do have to make leaps of faith. So from a KPIs perspective for our campaigns, uh, because we work with econ business, return on ad spend is the single overarching thing for our performance media, right? Uh, We want to know, did that actually, for every dollar we spent, did that actually lead to more than a dollar back? Because if it didn't, then what was the point of it? Um, You'll also hear us talk a lot about incrementality. And what we mean by that is, was that dollar worth spending that money or would they have come and purchased anyway? So did the ad actually add to a purchase or was it kind of useless? and so that's a really important thing, too, because you want to make sure that dollars you're spending are actually helping grow the business versus just, you know, doing things for doing's sake. And that's on the performance side. On the um, brand awareness side, we go back, um, and, and it's interesting because we used to do this a lot when it was just TV, radio, magazine at home. It was media mix modeling. So you would say, all right, this is our total revenue for the business. These are the investments we made. When we have this mix of investments, this is our total revenue. And... Um, you, large brands were the only ones that could do that because they were the only ones that had that much data to do it. But now with paid, with digital media and even smaller brands, their ability to collect a lot of daily data, a lot of information, we're able to do marketing mix modeling for smaller brands and help them understand, all right, these are the channels that actually lead to success. You know, your social ads may have a negative return on investment it's important because it fuels other channels. Um, And so helping brands understand that and recognize that whole uh, full funnel view is really important. Um, And so that's where I say data is great. It's really important to recognize the benchmarks so that you can actually conceptualize what that data means.
0: Well, and and that's extremely well articulated. Um, One of the reasons that I love always speaking with you, Samir, because that full funnel analysis is key. And of course, the funnel being the marketing funnel yes. um, for people who, you know, aren't familiar, which really starts with brand awareness and gets down to loyalty, but the entire consideration set within purchasing, etc. But I think this leads us to a really um, relevant question, which is about how do we attribute, especially in these digital channels, you know, you didn't used to say, oh, dude X, my shopper at the Rodeo drive store saw billboard Y on the 405 South, you know, like you kind of knew, but it was so geo-targeted and it was a bit nebulous. I mean, a large part of tentpole events, these big brand activations that you talk about, you can't necessarily measure ROI. Yeah. And yet with digital, the expectation is that I know even like how to attribute like where every single person saw every single thing the entire way up until they make a purchase, whether it's in-store or online. Yeah. Um, Can you talk about attribution a little bit and how it plays into what we call success?
1: Yeah, so it's actually, um, I love that question. And so um, I'm gonna go back on my soapbox for a little bit and you'll hear me on this one. So um, cookies are what exists today. That's how we do all of our attribution. So uh, the way cookies work is they're a little piece of code. When you see a digital ad or you click through to a website, uh, that little piece of code gets put on your browser. So now the website, Facebook, Google knows who you are. You click around, you come back and purchase, the cookie triggers and says, hey, you know, Lisa saw this ad and they purchased this product, you can match it together. It doesn't know it's Lisa, but it does know like user one, two, three did this and that. So great, Um, that's what exists today. And so uh, it gives us this opportunity to do a lot of understanding around what Facebook and Google do. Here's the downside to that. We are naturally risk adverse people. Uh, We are not gonna go and take risks So that means that we overinvest in performance marketing because we can actually measure it, not because it performs better. It doesn't always perform better than TV, radio, magazine, at home, but because we can measure digital media, because we can measure Facebook, Google, programmatic display, we end up leaning on it more. And so I would challenge a lot of our clients and challenge a lot of people in general to say, hey, if you could not measure programmatic Facebook and Google ads, how would you invest in it similar to how you would do TV radio magazine at home? Cookies are changing. Uh, Google announced by 2023, they're gonna be phasing out cookies. So this is not like a rhetorical question anymore. Now it's wow. a question that we need to answer for our clients and say, okay, you know, third party cookies are going away. Our ability to track is going to be limited. Analytics will definitely be hit in terms of how we manage. What are we doing to one, make sure that we actually do know what's performing and not performing. Uh, and then two, how are we looking at investments as a whole? sit differently now. Um, And so, you know, again, marketing, mixed modeling, that's gonna become a really key piece of um, how we look at media in the future. I actually think it's better because it forces you to think from a full funnel standpoint, not only from a performance standpoint. Uh, It is slower, that I I will admit, it takes longer for us to recognize uh, what is doing well, what isn't. we don't see like real-time data when you're doing performance, like marketing mix modeling. Yeah. Um, but I think ultimately it will actually make us better advertisers because uh, it'll force you to think of channels you didn't think of otherwise.
0: Well, I, and I want to talk to two things. I mean, just cognizant of time and density of this discussion already. Yeah. But I mean, you guys built QRY really on a very proprietary test and learn methodology. Yeah. Um, So how does, how could that be affected by this change to cookies and, and the rest of it? But also when you're talking about marketing mix, you know, there are many new channels and there are old channels and new channels, but like, how do those two things kind of merge together? The test and learn methodology mixed with new channels mixed with the fact that maybe you can't measure certain things in the same way.
1: Yeah. So, uh, we've already taken plans to kind of make sure that we're safe against that, right? So our uh, test and learn methodology, uh, the framework from which we advertise is um, based on a series of KPIs. So it's not always return on ad spend. Sometimes it's, um, let's test the ad campaign to make sure the click-throughs are good. So there are other performance indicators that we'll manage against as we go through our our testing. Um, I uh, personally like the fact that it's gonna reflect focus our test and learn program into more of that marketing mix modeling because it does allow for more um opportunity for us to explore out of home and tv and radio as part of that test and learn versus it being in two separate buckets as it does kind of stand right now as you know there's the performance and we need to drive performance and there's brand awareness we need to drive brand awareness and um so I, I am excited about the fact that these changes will force us to rethink how those two play together. Uh, and instead of treating them and talking to them separately, of hey, this is our paid media ecosystem, and this is how we're going to kind of coordinate across. Uh, I do think contextual advertising is also going to come back in a big way, which will be interesting. Um, you know, I think you and I were talking about geographies and how geographies will change. And you know, right now when we buy advertising, uh, geography matters less because the data platforms are able to identify where you are regardless of your geography. But as that tracking and that targeting starts to go away, we will start to see, okay, you know, let's start doing campaigns where density of advertising matters. So we are going to do this DMA, this market, and we're going to do out of home TV radio. And we're going to blitz it and we'll see yeah. what the result is there. Our learn framework would say, all right, here's a DMA where we blitzed. Here's a DMA where we didn't what was the incremental lift on the blitz versus not does it make sense let's roll it out wider um and so having that kind of thought process is going to be really important versus the old school of let's just trust marketing works right let's we'll just dump a ton of money into it it's almost like a self fulfilling bias right like if you spend Five hundred million dollars on advertising, you're gonna make money. People saw who you are. Like, it, the question is not did marketing work or not; it's how well did it work, and was it the best investment?
0: Well, and that's the really interesting. You know, as we think about wrapping up, I mean, I, where are budgets, marketing spend budgets going? I mean, there is this immense pressure on the let's call them the CMO still. Yeah. That that CMOs necessarily have to account and. Rep- you know, kind of re- report back on, on their investments. Yeah. Um, how does this change, number one, right? Are budgets going up or budgets flat, budgets going down? And are those, what do you see in the future? And then I think just secondarily to that, maybe we can discuss it in, in parallel, which is about these audiences. I mean, you're talking about DMAs, um, you know, which are market areas that were specific market areas and and, and geography coming back. But like right now, digital has given us full view into building look-alike audiences and things like this in digital does that change and how will that also affect budgets do we need to like have much more systematic campaigns like what what what's the correlation if any and and what do you think about the two
1: yeah um the, that's a great question so i uh, even with the headwinds ahead of digital digital will continue to grow uh the reality of the situation it's it's where we spend all of our time, right? Like we are on the internet, Sadly, having this yeah. over Zoom, like that's not going away by any um, means. And so, so digital spending will continue to grow because that's where the eyeballs are. Um, there are things like closed wall gardens, which is what Facebook is when you advertise on Facebook, you're within Facebook, their ability to track and um, build audiences that won't go away, they still have that data. So Facebook, Instagram, the, you know, Snapchat, TikTok, those, those channels will still be important, their ability to reach and their ability to really understand consumers may change generally. Um, but. Uh, I am of the mind that ad tech innovation continues to grow, will continue to accelerate um, and obstacles will become past hurdles really quickly. Um, At the end of the day, if I need to sell something to somebody and they really need it, I'm all for the mind of let's make sure the right product gets in front of the right person. Uh, And I think ad tech will continue with that kind of vision and we'll we'll always find a way. Uh, I think the privacy world uh, is important. And now it's just trying to figure out how those two fit together. But I think ultimately that'll happen on its own. So yeah, digital will continue to grow. Uh, Audiences will continue to be there. There will be some changes in terms of how we do it. But I do think TV, out-of-home radio, will start to see people kind of test right back into those because there'll be an opportunity to say, hey, let's look at this from a full funnel. We've been so focused on bottom-of-the-funnel revenue driving that, you know, we forget that um, loyalty, brand, you know, uh, brand loyalty is really important, especially in a direct to consumer world where uh, brand switching is so easy. There's like nothing stopping you so
0: and 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 i think it's i mean i'm i'm cognizant of time and i'm realizing that i could talk about this for a very long time (laughs) but I, (laughs) i think one thing that i just want to call on when we talk about going back to tv or going back to radio what's really interesting at this moment in time of course is that both of those channels also have digital plays right linear tv which is traditional cable or network is, you know, you have streaming, you have hardware-based, you you know, there are so this OTT kind of, you know, um, um, model that gives you insights, you know, depending on who the provider is. The same with satellite radio or any subscription, Pandora, you know, Spotify, etc. So those worlds of traditional are also becoming digitized in a way Um, so it's going to be, I mean, I think the future of paid media is, is, you know, you're in a great spot at QRY to really help brands to your point, you know, accelerate growth as, as all of these channels continue to kind of expand and grow.
1: Yeah, we're really excited about it. It's a great time to be in paid media. It's a great time to be a brand. You have so many tools at your disposal and now it's not a matter of figuring out, um, how to do it. It's more figuring out what the best way to do it is. And, Mm -hmm. And I think we're really excited about helping our brands do that.
0: Um, Smear, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you for joining us on Future of XYZ today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun.
0: Um, it's always great. And to all of our listeners and viewers, if you don't already subscribe, make sure you subscribe to Future of XYZ on YouTube or Apple, uh, Amazon, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. And make sure to follow us uh, on Instagram at Future of XYZ. We look forward to seeing you next week uh, and let us know what you think about the future of paid media. Samir, again, so many thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn. Visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to the Future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.